everybody. Welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam. And this is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And uh, this week, we bring you two more episodes of My Hero Academia. Uh, before we get started, though, I do want to mention, we've been doing that live-action casting, and we totally forgot to say something last week. So during the episode, we are going to be casting, I think it's Ochako, right? Yeah, Ochako this week. And before we forget, we might as well just go ahead and tell them that we're going to look to cast Present Mike for our next episode of the Almighty Podcast. Absolutely. So during this week's episode, be thinking, who would you cast as your Ravity? Uh, we've got some good ones, I'm sure, lined up for you. I mean, I have a good one. Uh, I have two, so... Well, and I think... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll go ahead and tell you. I think <laughs> the person who I picked could also possibly play a good Toga. Ooh, okay. So I'm, I, I, and I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. So anyway, it's just who I... Who I've got, but we'll we'll get to that at the end of the episode. We got to talk about episode eighty and eighty one of My Hero Academia before we get to the the fiddly bits of the podcast. Yeah, and these were good episodes. I mean, eighty pretty much ends the I guess the arc you could say, and eighty one starts us up with a brand new one, and we get to peek back into the lives of the students, and I've really enjoyed that, especially this bit here with eighty. You know, we get this resolution of the uh, provisional exam again. I guess it's really like the provisional exam training. Uh, where we've got our three main heroes who are sitting there and trying to just placate these kids, man. And it's so funny. Yeah, and we're we're back with Class 1A on the whole. Like, we get to see all of the students again. And, I w- you know, you, you heard me say over the last arc that I really missed a lot of, a lot of them. Maybe not all of them. I'm still, I still don't know how I feel about having Mineta back on the show, if I'm just being honest. Uh, because it's he, lost its charm. I mean, did he have charm? Is that what you would call that? Well, no, I wouldn't call it charm. But every once in a while, it was just kind of like a funny, unexpected, like, oh, hey, there's Manetta. And now it's just kind of got to this point where it's like, ah, there's Manetta. Like, I'm kind of done with the jokes, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I missed everybody, but I missed, I missed the gang. I think the corporate gang is what I missed. The class, the class as a class. That I like the sense. camaraderie. Yeah, that's like what I missed, just seeing them be a class together. Yeah, and just relating as teenagers and not strictly as heroes in the field. And, sure. you know, there's, there's room for, in the show for both. And these two episodes prove that. Um, but yeah, I really, I'm, I'm glad that, I mean, we even get to go back inside of the classroom where Aizawa is not, uh, you know, um, running point as, as a peer during a mission, but, uh, uh, but is the, the homeroom teacher again, like all of that familiar, it's almost nostalgic is the word, but you know, nostalgia, I guess, doesn't necessarily have to mean that, it, that it was so long ago, you know, uh, that, True. that we're, that we're reliving some of these some of these environments and settings and, and situations and contexts uh, that, that we really appreciated about the early, uh, earlier parts of the show. For sure. And, you know, something the show that I think does really well, and it was something I noted uh, at the beginning of 80 here, after this arc with, you know, the uh, Shia Saikai, it's like we, we pump the brakes, you know, and it's like a total shocker. I mean, g- getting back into just the real world and not being on this, like, what, 30, 45 minute mission where it just felt like it was a bomb going off. I mean, it was just crazy nonstop. And then you're just like back in class. So I feel like as the audience, you know, we get this real, like it feels like they just slammed on the brakes and it probably is a lot like what these kids feel like. So I feel like we kind of get a neat introspective into their world, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
All right, man. Well, enough about that. Let's talk about these kids and how they're going to try to fight these. Uh, I keep calling them semi-pro heroes because they're not really pros. They don't even have their provisioning license, but they're getting there. Uh, we start off 80, you know, we ended 79, I guess, with these kids about to start like this full frontal attack. And it's against Kami, Yaraoshi, Todoroki, and Bakugo. So, of course, like at least three of the ones that we know of are pretty hot headed. You know, I would say that Todoroki can get pretty heated sometimes. So you're kind of worried about these kids because they just open up with all of their quirks. And there's a bunch of really neat ones. Yeah, there's a lot of diversity amongst these kids. And one of my favorite things about this scene isn't its comedy, although I think that that's, that's there. And, you know, I think it's also appropriate to have a comedic beat after the, the narrative beat that was, you know, the death of Sir Nighteye. Um, so they're, they're kind of bringing some levity back to the show after the resolution of the last arc. And in the midst of this, though, there's a really, really cool piece of, of, uh, world building that, that Horikoshi kind of sneaks in, um, sneaks in on us during this, uh, during this charge of the kids so that, you know, Bakugo, of course, is he's Bakugoing and it's what he does. And so he's like, come on, brats, I'll take all of you. And then like immediately one of them little chain chomp things blows past his face and rips off like part of his mask. And, uh, you know, this little kid, the little chain chomp controlling dude who also has teeth, just like the chain chomps. He has like, who is it? Is it Kirishima that has super pointed teeth too? Yeah. Um, yeah, he does. So, uh, he flashes one by and he's like, yeah, they're super fast and super strong. And, I don't know if Bakugo managed to dodge or if this kid was just playing uh, playing nice because if he had like gone center mass with one of those chain chomp things, which he calls binging balls, which I think is really dumb, but it's also a kid, so <laughs> sure, I'm for sure. it. Um, but yeah, if he had gone for center mass, it might have been, been the end for Bakugo. And then there's this scene in a second where some of these other just background heroes are looking at Gang Orca like, uh, are you going to do anything? And he gets all uppity about, don't you think if it were really a crisis, I would intervened. He'd have felt yeah. real dumb if if the first thing that happens is Bakugo gets one shot by this kid with the <laughs> tiny chain chomps. That would be ridiculous. I actually, I have in my notes here for that one in particular scene, Gang Orca is scary because he's like standing over them menacingly like, I'll kill you if you think that's how I would teach, you know? Yeah, and he's, uh, I think President Mike points out later on that he has to play gang work has to play really hard at being a hard ass yeah because, because he, he really is kids yeah yeah and so <laughs> you could it's funny like it's hard to get that read off of gang orca because of the way that he's drawn yeah that like you can't he's freaking scary looking yeah and you can't like see him struggling like if it were uh, you know somebody with a more human face i guess you could see kind of the them trying really hard to keep their angry composure with twitches around the mouth and right. eyes and stuff but by the way, did you notice, did you pay attention for the way that he talks in the anime with just the little nose moving up and down? Did you watch for it I, this time? I did watch for it, and it is very odd. Um, I can't say that I fixated on it, but like once I noticed it, I was like, that's kind of strange. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I get it. It, it's it does. Just, it's just odd when you first notice it. Yeah, but he also is telepathic, so I don't know why he doesn't just talk that way all the time. He's telepathic? I felt like he had communicated to people via mind waves before. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, like, I don't know, that's his power, is his, his sonic communication, so I assumed he could use... Don't whales like that have, like, echolocation or something? Yeah, yeah, or, or I don't know if it's echolocation so much as, like, a sonar, or if those sonar, two things yeah. are radically different. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest, but anyway. Well, regardless, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, your, your point of the, uh, the world-building thing was really cool here, because they've got the meat guy explaining that 
these kids' quirks are really powerful because as they're like popping them off, uh, present Mike says something like, what are these squirts? Like seven years old? Like I, I couldn't make something that powerful when I was that young. And the meatball guy comes out and is like, well, actually, you know, there's this scientific theory about how uh, quirks deepen and they become stronger and stronger. And they actually have something I thought was really neat called the quirk singularity. And it's basically just that quirks will get so powerful they can't be controlled and it will cause a literal doomsday. Yeah. And so he's saying like these are these kids are the culmination of all that power gathering. And, and there are some pretty cool quirks here for the kids. Uh, my favorite was this kid that just said tongue cannon. And his oh, yeah. cannon came out of his mouth and he shoots these little warheads. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it was definitely cool. Some of the other ones were, you know, like magnet missile, king's ram. One girl just yelled hula hoop and did something. But tongue tank definitely is the coolest one. Yeah, that's the one that I, I, the only one I had written down, I just said bunch of neat quirks, dust, and tongue cannon guy. Yeah, dust. Assault <laughs> dust is what they call it. Yeah. And then yeah. tongue tank is cool. I mean, I like, I, if I had to pick one, I think I'd rather go with the chain chomps, but. Uh, that was kind of neat, but the, that, that tongue cannon was unexpected. Yeah. And so the, the UA kids are like, they're realizing that they're not afraid of, uh, the kids are not afraid of the adults in this situation. And the, you know, I think the, the, the teacher had said in the last episode that these kids are just like, they have no respect, no, because they, they think that their quirks are just the strongest things ever. And so they're, they're blasting them off at these guys. One of them shoots something called a queen beam at what looks to be Todoroki, but turns out to be Cammy who we finally get a splash page kind of explaining her quirk, sort of. Um, yeah. It says that she can create illusions for a short period of time. But um, abuse of her quirk is prohibited. Yeah, abuse of, his, of this quirk. And I'm like, isn't that true of all quirks, that abuse yeah. is prohibited? Um, so I had that uh, marked down in my notes as well. But, but it made me think that maybe there are like specific laws. Like if you were to, like if Cammy was to rob a bank as Cammy, that would be bad. But if Cammy robbed a bank as Midoriya, that'd be really bad. You know? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Uh, but the, the best part about Cammy's use of her power right here is she like snaps out of being Todoroki after making some googly eyes at this girl. Um, because you know, the toads he's, he's loved by the ladies and, um, Bakugo looks over at Todoroki and calls him Glamoroki and it made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was awesome. Uh, there's a lot of really fun, like friendship building between those two in this episode. Yeah. I, and yeah, there's, there's a lot to... Uh, Todoroki even uh, in the next episode too. I really like, or maybe it's the end of this one. I think it's the end of this one for sure. Yeah, there's some really neat stuff around these characters that we've kind of been apart from for a little while. Um, yeah. In yeah. the midst of this, the life with Louis Kid is talking about how he's so much better at adults than every uh, at everything, including playing piano, which I thought was a really funny addition. Yeah, I did and too. It, I was like, that seems uh, random in this situation. <laughs> it made me think that there's this old YouTube video where it's like how to shoot a gun like a gangster. And it's this one, these two guys that are like, talk, one of them is like instructing him, okay, you got to like throw the bullets. You know, you don't just hold the gun, you throw the bullets. You, you know, you fling the gun, you know, like at them, at their direction, all this stuff, and you hold it sideways. And one of the things that he says is if you, you know, you really want to be good at this, then you grab your crotch and you insult people as you shoot them. <laughs> uh, and because it's just this white guy, he's like, I'm so much better at tennis than you. And that's like, that's the line that uh, I thought of when he was just like, I'm better at them than pia or at piano as well. And it was really funny. That's awesome. Just a silly pop culture connection. I don't even know if that qualifies as pop culture, but it was on YouTube. So there you yeah, go. It was, it was a YouTube phenomenon, probably a, a weekend or something, right? Yeah. At least in my life, it was. Yeah. Um, there are so many of those I feel like I remember from, from like high school and middle school that, you know, probably. A, haven't been watched in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. 
So then we have this really funny, I guess it's kind of funny. It's it's actually really thoughtful, this combo move between Kami and Yarashi, Bakugo and Todoroki, where they just make this giant slide. Instead of com- like engaging in combat, they choose to entertain um, th- these kids. Yeah, it was a really neat idea. Uh, I actually didn't see this one coming at all. Uh, they've got the meat guy on the side talking about how like, you know, you can't just destroy these kids because then they're going to have these ill will afterwards and you can't just let them beat you because then they don't learn a lesson. So they're kind of in a rock in between a rock and a hard place. So their their idea of fixing it is neat because we get this quick like side splash, I guess, where all of them are talking about what what do we do in this situation? And I think it is um, Todoroki that ends up saying, like, you know, the, the best thing we can do in this situation is just broaden the kids horizons. And so we see them create this really elaborate, I, I, I called it a theme park ride, because it's like this massive like ice castle, ice slide that encompasses all of their quirks and the debris and whatnot that their quirks brought up. Uh, it was pretty cool. And then I guess Cammy does this weird like universe illusion, so it's all lit up and whatnot. It was pretty neat. If you had to give a name to this combo move, what would you call it? Probably Rainbow Road. Oh, man, that's good. That's better than what I have. Why didn't I think of Rainbow Road? Rainbow Road is dope. Yeah, that, I was like, oh, that would be pretty good. I went with Aurora Borealis Slide is what I, oh, I like that. ended up on. Because that's, that's what I thought of with the colored lights that Kami was doing at the top. So I wrote Combo Move colon Aurora Borealis Slide. But, but Rainbow see, Road is that. that's You much can't better. even say it. I know. know. <laughs> it's true. And you know if you can't say it, it won't work. So yeah, Rainbow I mean, Road is the one you have to go with, man. Anime rules, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm handicapping myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, then there's this really... It's kind of a touching, as touching as things might be able to get with between like Bakugo and a kid. He's certainly come a long way from... You remember his first like street walk with... Uh, with uh, Best Genist. Yeah. He was just like horribly vi- like gruff towards civilians. Do you remember the um, hair though? That's the thing I remember the most about yeah. his time with Best Genist. Yeah. So he, he pulls aside life with Louie and he's just like, you got to get in there. If you know, you're the leader and if you just keep looking down on everyone, then you're not going to notice your own weaknesses. And the kid is just like, where did that come from? You know, he's, he really talked to me from the heart and that's why that's why it's having an effect on me. And he's just like <laughs> really moved by it, which is kind of funny. But yeah, he, this was a, a good scene because Bakugo is able to like combine his powers with everyone else. And I guess like throws the kid up in the air or something. Yeah. I, yeah. It was hard to, I thought, yeah, Rashi was just picking everybody up and I had a hard time determining real early on what Bakugo's role was in all of it. Cause he, he couldn't just be blasting kids up there. He should have been. That seems he, awfully they, violent. The line should have been walking up to him where he then throws them to the top and just <laughs> hopes that he gets them in the little like hoop, you know? It's like yeah. a, kind of a game of basketball, but with kindergartners. Yeah, I can't say that I, I know exactly what part he played because I thought Yarashi was taking the kids up to the top of the slide that Todoroki had made and Kami did the lights. Yeah. And I so I was like, what did Bakugo do then? I think he was just there. <laughs> Maybe it was his idea. He was the ringleader. Well, I thought that I had him down in my notes as being the one that says we have to make them think wow or cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he does I, say something like that. I but. didn't, con- I didn't contribute it to anybody in my notes because you know I'm an amateur note taker apparently. Well, while all this is going on, we've got Endeavor and All Might up in the stands, and I think that they're they're enjoying this scene here. You know that they're watching, uh, and All Might asks Endeavor, "What is the reason to be strong?" And I really like that. Uh, and, and I think he follows it up with something along the lines of like, "It can't be that hard, can it?" 
And so it leads into a very, very good scene between him and Todoroki uh, as all the UA students are leaving. Uh, it's funny because Kami says something like, you know, Bakugo, when you tried shutting up, you actually did a pretty good job. Yeah, and Yaorashi's continuing, continuing to try to make a, a friendship with Todoroki work. Uh, so he's like, after thinking about it, I really like you because our quirks work really well together. And Todoroki's just like, I see. Because uh, you remember, <laughs> I think it was in the last episode where they had the dis- where Yaorashi was like, ooh, I like soba too. And then they, you know, it was like, but I like it cold, so this is never going to work. And it feels yeah. like they're inching a little bit closer to being, you know, they, I think they tolerate one another now. Uh, but I wonder I, if, if there's a budding friendship growing out of uh, these, these little snippets, because it's just like one or two line exchanges between the two of them every now and then. But they're awesome one-liners. Yeah. I mean, they're so much fun. And I really feel like we're going to see more of that because they're, as they're leaving, they're mentioning that like the two schools are wanting to kind of team up and figure out why the League of Villains went after Kami and, you know, kind of figure out why they're targeting these UA students. Like, they're, they're, they want to be able to work together and not be at odds. Uh, so I hope that we get to see more Todoroki and Yarashi. I mean, those two are, I, I feel like they could have a really good Midoriya Bakugo dynamic happening. Yeah, and I, uh, I really like the idea of having the two schools interact more anyway, because it means we get to see more quirks, you know, introduce you know, get introduced potentially to more characters. We, now, we've seen a handful of that school's uh, players during the original provisional exam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we, we already are familiar with, like, you know, Cousin It and uh, Meatball Guy, um, Shishikura, that's this dude. Um, a couple of the other ones, I think, were from that same academy. So I, I really uh, look forward to the, at least the possibility that, that they'll be doing some, some joint, maybe training or something, you know, I hope um, we get to see more cool. of a uh, miss joke. Was that the girl name? Yeah, she was fun. I liked her. That was a different school though. <laughs> yeah, she was, she's a different school. At least I, yeah. I'm pretty sure she was, but this is the scene that leads into something that I really enjoyed. And I think this is probably what you were talking about earlier, uh, where Endeavor approaches Todoroki and he's like, Hey, Shoto, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of you. And poor Todoroki is just like, whatever. Yeah, he, he, like, Endeavor reaches out and places a hand on Todoroki's shoulder, and Todoroki just, like, swats it away. He's just like, man, shove it, is what he says in the manga. He's just like, shove it. You know, get off of me. Don't touch me. Whatever, whatever it might have been in the anime. Um, but yeah, Endeavor says, I'm proud of you. And he doesn't just say, I'm proud of you. He says, I'm proud of you, son. Yeah. Um, and he continues this, this, you know, really powerful conversation by just saying, you know, on that note, I'm hoping to become a hero that you can be proud of. And, and th- I really liked that. I did too. Uh, I feel like we're getting a bit of like, we're getting to see a bit of closure with Todoroki and his father. But my favorite scene in the episode is immediately after he says that when Yaoraoshi punches himself <laughs> in the face as hard as he can and walks up to him and he's, he just says something like, you know, I respect you or I believe in you. And Endeavor just says, thank you. You're bleeding a lot. Yeah, you're bleeding a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, way to be the number one hero, man. Like, <laughs> I feel like it goes against all of whatever hero training Endeavor has. Like, he should be trying to figure out why this kid's bleeding. Like, why did he punch himself in the face? <laughs> there are so he, many questions. I think he did it because, you know how, like, sometimes when you're working yourself up to do something you really don't want to do, that you kind of, like, will slap yourself around a little bit, just as, like, a, it's almost like you're hyping yourself up a little bit or working okay, yourself up yeah. to it. I guess that's I can how, see that. That's how I took it anyway. Um, and I like, too, the manga. I don't know if this was an extra line. I don't remember it being in the, uh, in the anime, but in this conversation with Endeavor, Endeavor ends it with, as your father and the number one hero, 
I want to be deserving of both of those titles. Man, that's cool. Um, and I, yeah, and Todoroki just says good luck with that. But kind of at the close of this, after the Yarashi scene, uh, at the close, drawing near the close of this episode, you see as Todoroki's walking away, he does, you know, look back over his shoulder at, at uh, Endeavor. And I think that that, that look is weighty. Uh, like there's something to that. There is, there is a, you know, it's like a double take or, uh, you know, Todoroki doing some, some calculating or some considering. Um, I think it's him hoping, you know? Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like when, when all this happened, I felt like it was going to be the end of the episode because it felt like it, but then it was just the halfway mark. And we come back in to the second half of the episode where they like pretty much tie up all of the loose ends from this entire last arc. Yeah. They, they kind of, brush past Night Eye's funeral. They explain that Santa Peter's taken over the Night, uh, Night Eye agency, that Mirio could uh, come back, you know, at a later date. Um, I think all of the apprenticeships were suspended temporarily. Um, Aerie is awake at the hospital, but she's still emotionally unstable. They're kind of keeping her there. And they, they, they mentioned something about her horn shrinking, which is kind of a weird detail, I feel like. Yeah, they, they say that... Um, that her horn shrank and they seem to equivocate the size or the length of that horn with the measure of her power, um, which I, I feel like might be a little premature. I mean, without a little bit more knowledge and understanding and study, but uh, you know, whatever it's, I guess they can make that assumption. It's not an, not one that doesn't make any sense, but just felt like a leap um, in, in my, in my brain. Um, she also has, and I thought this is an interesting detail too. Do you see it a little bit better in the next episode? Um, but she has marks all over her arms and legs um, where whatever rewinding or uh, you know whatever rebuilding that she did to herself or that Chisaki might have done to her, she still bears these scars. And presumably, because they're there now, she might always. Um, yeah. And I thought that that was an interesting touch. And we see. In the next episode, so again, I'm getting my head of, head of myself a little bit, but I think this is an appropriate time to mention this too. We see that she still is marked emotionally and psychologically by that time. Um, and so these physical marks are almost like a, a visual manifestation of the fact that she is, she is scarred. She might be safe, um, but she is scarred by you know, this traumatic childhood that she had. Uh, in the experiences that she endured during it. So it was kind of a cool, um, just, they don't highlight it. They don't really zoom in on it or nothing. In this episode, at least, you see it a little better in the next one, but it was just something that caught my eye. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I even caught that. So nice catch, man. That's a, that's a good one. Because I, I definitely, definitely feel awful for this child. They've done an amazing job of really communicating how dire of a situation she was in. Yeah. Uh, so I like what they've done with Eerie. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if they ever bring her back. Like, it feels like we're at the end of this arc and, you know, it's really heavily focused on her and her powers. I'm just curious, you know, Horikoshi's mentioned a handful of times that he's got this end game in mind. I wonder if he's going to use her in some way in the future. That's going to be like a big, important deal, you know? Yeah. I think you and I had talked an episode or two of hours ago about the potential role that she could play in this world. And I think that there are some pros to keeping her around. Um, but I also feel like Aizawa had a line that maybe suggested that they couldn't or shouldn't rely on her power. Yeah. Um, like they, like they totally could, but it would be an abuse. Um, you know, it would just be a different kind of abuse. 
Well, imagine uh, though if even I mean, say the League of Villains breaks in and kidnaps her, and then they use her to rewind uh, all for one. You know, yeah. back to a state where before All Might had taken him down the first time, he'd be even way more powerful. So I'm just thinking like they could definitely use her in some pretty evil ways again. Yeah, there are, there are pros and cons to keeping her around as a part of the main narrative. And I'm, I like the idea of her receiving some training um, because I think part of her training would be like counseling and, and psychological therapy, which I think just because of my own background in, in schooling, I think that that's tr- what she needs. For um, sure. And, you know, that UA and, and some of these heroes and, and different offices and, and agencies could offer those things to her. Um, I think that would be great. I don't know that she needs to be a child soldier like th- th- everybody else at UA. Um, so, and I, I struggle a lot with the child soldier trope anyway, but to take somebody who was, uh, you know, in the abusive state that she was in and then turn her into a child soldier just seems like a really weird switch for me that I don't, yeah. I can't wrap my brain around it now. It feels kind of manipulative, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But we get some stuff back in the classroom after a lot of eerie storytelling here, uh, which I, I really like this scene because it's just class 1A hanging out, doing some math, and everybody seems totally fried. Like, I think there's a bit of uh, Kaminari sitting there, and he's got, like, electricity around his hair and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, like, I think it's uh, Tokoyami, who we haven't seen in forever, is talking about how, like, typically, you know, the students here, like Midoriya... Uh, is is normally pretty on top of it, but then this question that ectoplasm has asked them has just got everybody totally messed up. Uh, Midoriya tries to answer it and fails, and then uh, oh, Momo is the one that answers correctly. Uh, but the funny thing is, is that when Tokoyami's talking about this, he says something about how this is the true question of darkness. Yeah, in the in the manga, he says truly an integral of darkness. Yeah, <laughs> the, and like, his. his his dialogue changes, I think, in these two chapters. Like, it's suddenly it's all about darkness and stuff. Like, he has a recommendation for what they should do with the festival that I'm just like, it sounds so weird. It, some of these phrases felt out of place, but who knows what changes have taken place off screen in you know inside of Tokoyami? He gets to he gets to evolve and and change uh, off screen too. Yeah, I assume we don't get to see it, yeah, because he was yeah. with a uh, work study, so we have no idea what's happened to him on this work study. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen him involved in the GSI assault. I feel like that could have been fun. Yeah, I could I mean, I would have liked to have seen most of Class One A play some role in that. Um, yeah. You know, some but, of I mean, them I don't think would have been tremendous assets, and others I'm just like, eh, you know, your quirk would have been cool. But I would much rather have seen, you know, some of these others that we got to see, like Amajiki's. Um, and you you can't just have the whole class run around. Um, because then you get too little of everybody and not enough of, you know, some of the folks that you really want to focus on. So totally, but it felt weird to me because everyone else that was in a work study was involved in that, except for Tokoyami. He was the only one. Yeah. But I mean, the couple of them had their connections with just the agencies that they were working with and the experiences of their, their superior officers or their COs, whatever you want to call them, like fat gum had that drug connection. So of course his, his, you know, his kids get pulled into that. And Night Eyes was running uh, surveillance on these groups. So his his folks got pulled into that. So, you know, it's all these little bits that, you know, I I didn't see that the, that any kids just got a, a pass to be there on their own merits so much as who it was that they were paired with. True, true. Um, yeah, that's their fair. adults being pulled in. Now, I still think that it's crazy that they let the kids, like, <laughs> part of me still thinks that that's bonkers. 
They should have been like, all right, take a week off because I've had this real like crazy dangerous mission to do and you're still an intern, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it is funny because they had them do this on like Monday before breakfast and then, you know, I saw was like, all right, I'll see you in class in a couple hours. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we kind of end this episode with some oddity. I think that that's a fair way of describing kind of what takes place between Midoriya and Aoyama. And what's even crazier is in the manga, it's an, it's even wilder. Like, wrap your mind around that for a second. And it mostly has to do with the pacing. So let me start at the beginning. So Midoriya is talking about how tired he is or how stressed he is. And they're getting ready to go to lunch. And he's in the middle of saying, I'm starving or I'm starved. And then Aoyama just slides in from the side and shoves this piece of cheese into Midoriya's mouth out of nowhere. And uh, Midoriya does this really cool slow turn, like this really dramatic wide-eyed slow turn and looks at Aoyama. And he chooses now to like think that from this day on, strange things started to happen to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just have in my notes, like this day on, you thought the strange <laughs> started now? Like your whole life is this oddity really. But um, I just like the way that, the way that he said it was such a weird, like almost like intro to puberty health book, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that Captain America uh, PSA comes on in a TV in the classroom. So yeah. Going through puberty. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they invite Aoyama to go to lunch with them, but he's he's like that cafeteria food is too bougie. So he like sits down and has some stuff that I guess works better with his stomach. Um, it looks like French food. Like he's like sipping on wine, and it looked like he had a baguette or something. Yeah. So, uh, Midori is kind of reflecting on who Aoyama is as a character and a person up to this point. And the, the last scene of, um, the, the last scene of the manga, this is why the manga is where it chooses to stop is super funny to me because this whole scene with Aoyama plays out for the rest of this episode, but the manga chapter ends with the scene where Midoriya is asleep and Aoyama slides up to his balcony and is just staring into the room. Oh, it's so creepy. And it just says in the manga, the last thing of this chapter is Aoyama creepily staring through the curtains at a sleeping Midoriya in a text box that says it was then that he started to reveal his true nature. And it's in scene. <laughs> like until the next chapter comes out, I would have been like, what the hell is about to happen? <laughs> I would immediately, and- <laughs> I would have assumed that he was a traitor and he was going to kill Midoriya. Cause you know how I am. Like I would jump to a crazy conclusion. It's such an, I mean, it was, it's a really smart place to end because people had to have talked about that oh, between yeah. chapters. Oh, they, I'm sure. It, there's no way you weren't talking about that between chapters if you're reading along. Um, but the episode continues past that. Like, Midori apparently was aware that Aoyama was out there. And so Aoyama, I guess, gets back onto his balcony and he, le- he had left this note in cheese out on Midoriya's balcony that says, I know. And it's like spelled out with cheese. Which is also super weird. Um, like, yeah, what does he cheese? know? Yeah. And what does he know? Like, that was the thing that I was like, he knows what? Does he know about the All Might stuff too? Because how did he come to know that if that's true? Yeah, absolutely. I had the same thought. I was like, that's really, really strange. What has he been picking up on? Uh, and before we get really the conclusion to that, we get this really fun scene. I think they're in like, not the, the they're in the dorm, but they're in like a common area. I say they, it's basically all of one, class 1A. And a couple of them come up with this awesome team, like team up. Basically, they're going to do this power move and they call it Team Rainy Day. And they totally leave out Kaminari and Mineta. 
And they're, they, they're like, why would you leave us out of this? And they're like, well, it's not only just that our quirks work really well, but our personalities really mesh well, too. And you guys don't really fit in. <laughs> yeah, Mina's much nicer in the, uh, in the manga. She just says, no, thank you. And they're like, what about us? And then Momo's the one who explains, yeah, it's, it's about like, not just, you know, quirks, but personalities. And we, we just, uh, we don't have room for you here. Yeah. And they're in the background, like making frowny faces. Yeah. So, so then they... That was like kind of at the end of a class. I think they're talking because I think that whole th- the whole team up thing brought, got brought up by Kaminari, who was saying that like Mount Lady and Kamui and maybe one other hero had teamed oh, up. Oh, headshot! And, yeah, yeah, that's it. And they were called the Lurkers, which you know it needs work. Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure it does. Uh, but yeah, this was a fun scene that and it transitions into the students who are all training their quirks. They look like they're back at that uh, USJ, is what I think it was called. Yeah, I think it's just one of the other quirk training things. Okay, so it's it like wasn't the USJ, gymnasium. but it was like a big gym. Yeah, it looks yeah. like the same one that they worked on their super moves the first time where we saw shoot style with the metal toed boots. Gotcha. That same place. That's what it looked like. We get but another... it could also be because it's cement toss can make any place look like that. So, Oh, that's true. I wonder how his quirk works in his brain. Like, it's such a neat quirk. It's very, very unique. And I'm still really surprised that he does not work with Ochaka's family because mm. he would save them so much money. Yeah, right. Uh, but regardless, the, the students are near training their quirks and we get this, another really weird scene with Aoyama where he's like standing in front of this giant block and he just looks oh at Midoriya and he's like, here's my new, uh, super quirk and it's the naval buffet laser. And he just shoots a beam through this block. It's just weird. And then he like carves something into it, but we don't know what it is because it was not translated. Uh, it is in the manga. It is. Okay. In the manga, it's still waters run deep. That's weird. Um, but also in the manga, and I need to just share this this picture on the Twitter because when Aoyama does his little blast, he's like leaning crotch first into this length of concrete. Oh, he's, he's like, just like straight up humping this thing. Yeah, he's yeah. just like, hey, watch. And then in the manga, it's just this beam erupts on, on the other side where it looks like it's just an extension of him somehow, like yeah. in a very like you know. Uh, reproductive organy way. <laughs> like I don't know how else to say it. Right, right. It looks super strange. It's very questionable. I was like what? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he overworks himself showing off his fancy new lasers. Um, Which and- is funny because he admits that he's like, "This move makes my stomach immediately hurt." And Midoriya goes, "Why would you do it then?" Uh, yeah, I guess maybe Ioyama. Well, I think Ioyama is still in the in the process of making his point in his own weird way. Yeah. Uh, because Midoriya helps him off to the side and they, you know, excuse themselves from the class for a minute and Midoriya decides to go ahead and just call him on that weird balcony stuff. And this is where Aoyama's like, you know, you and I are the same and I've always thought that because your quirk is ill-suited to your body just like my quirk is ill-suited to mine. Uh, and they get into this conversation over that. Like, Aoyama's like, like you, my body isn't meant for my quirk. And so you know, we have this thing, you and I are very similar uh, in this. And he turns it into, he kind of turns it around into, he starts talking about the nature of surprises. And he's like, you know, everybody needs surprises. And, you know, if, unless you, I thought that they worded this differently in the manga than in the uh, anime. Because in the anime, I have where he says, if you only face the painful things, this is Aoyama, if you only face the painful things, then you won't be able to smile. But in the, 
I had to have either miswrote that or it was mistranslated in the manga because it says, unless we can face that which pains us, we can never truly sparkle. I'm like, those two things are kind of different. Yeah, but the sparkle, like, it lines up more with Aoyama than the other, other phrasing. Yeah. I thought that there were some weird translations throughout anyway, and I took note of a couple of them. They're mo- mostly in the next episode. You know, translating things is hard. Oh, I would imagine so. Uh, it's definitely not something they'd want me to do. We'd have a different show entirely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, names would change every episode. It would be um, insane. Yeah. But this, this episode ends, though... <laughs> With Aoyama just looking like he just gets still, and then he craps his pants. Yeah, <laughs> he just dukes in his pants, <laughs> and then he says something like, "All right, it's all out now." Yeah, <laughs> well, he says pardon. He says pardon in the uh, in the anime or in the manga at least. But yeah, he just straight up dukes in his pants. Man, and then, you <laughs> and know, I was the, just like, "Wow." The weirdest thing after that though is that it leads into Midoriya going, "Yep." Ayoyama and I are friends now. Yeah, yeah. In the in the manga, it says, and just like that, I became friends with Ayoyama. So if you want to become friends with Midoriya, just crap your pants in front of him. It's that's the you know some people. It's like the you know the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Not so with Midoriya. All you got to do is drop a deuce in your pants. Yeah, and you're in. Pretty simple. Please, for the love of God, nobody tell Ochako that. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was a really weird way to end the episode. I was like. Did he not consider Aoyama a friend before this? I mean, that's kind of... He's at least an acquaintance, right? Yeah, I mean, an acquaintance. And he was honest about how, you know, he's definitely just kind of odd and weird and does his own thing, like when he was describing Aoyama earlier on in the episode. So that's true, you, you definitely yeah. got the sense that they weren't, they weren't real tight well, until think, Poop was a part of the equation and relationship. <laughs> that was the glue that held them together. <laughs> yeah, the sticky... Icky glue. Yeah, because I think I think it was Ida that had mentioned like, "Hey, do you want to eat lunch with us?" Because you literally never eat with anybody. Like you're always yeah. alone. So, yeah, the weird way to end the episode. So that brings us to episode eighty-one. So we don't sit around making poop jokes for the rest of the night, which I'm probably fully capable of doing. <laughs> um, this episode's called School Festival, and it begins with Mina doing some break dancing, which is fun. Oh, dude, it was really good animation too. Like I felt like they made it look like she knew what she was doing. It was pretty sweet. And we also have a reintroduction to Mineta, who's yeah. upset uh, with Mina because he's like, if you're going to wear something under your skirt, then just take your skirt off because yeah. Mineta's going to Mineta. And it's not even the worst thing that he says this episode because, of course, it isn't. It's Mineta. Right, right. <laughs> of yeah. course, he says it's the worst. And it's even worse in the manga than it is in the anime. Well, in I don't even anime, know what they say in the anime because they cut it off. So Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to tread that ground together here shortly <laughs> um, because in the manga, it is... It is not cut off quite as quickly or as thoroughly as it is in the uh, oh, in the uh, in the cartoon. So anyway, jeez, yeah. Well, Mina's break dancing, and uh, they start talking about each other's hobbies, and we get a quick mention here of a couple of different hobbies that are neat because they correlate with the person's powers. Uh, and Kaminari actually starts to mention that Jiro has got a hobby. He's like, yeah, you know, Jiro's got some serious musical talent over there. And she like gets kind of pissed off and almost stabs him with her little eardrums. They're not eardrums. They're like earplugs, uh, earplugs ear jacks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so she tells him to knock it off. And he kind of is just like miffed by it. He's like, all right, whatever. You know, like I'm just trying to talk, be friendly with you. Uh, and, and then this is when they're all in class and Aizawa is just like, hey, so uh, we're going to have a bit of a talent show thing. It's, it's going to be a school festival. 
So I, and then he kind of breaks it down. Basically, it's just like, hey, this is a festival for the folks that aren't heroes. Uh, it may not be as exciting for you guys, but it's something big for them. Uh, you guys had the sports festival. These guys get the school festival. So you got to come up with some idea, something to present. Uh, and it's interesting because Kirishima is actually kind of like, well, no, why? We shouldn't be doing this. Like, we shouldn't be slacking off while the villains are out there getting stronger. So before we pick up where you just left off, I want to talk about what might be my new, like if I want, if we have any GIF makers or GIF makers, I'm a hard G guy when it comes to that particular word. And I understand that some people think that I'm wrong, but it's okay to be wrong. Um, and if, if somebody could just make a GIF or a GIF of the scene where Midoriya and Aoyama are trying to do the two-step that, uh, <laughs> Mir- that Mina is trying to teach them. That scene made me laugh out loud because I was totally not expecting it. Oh, it I was super funny. And the other thing that I really appreciated about this scene, like you were saying that they were talking about how some of their hobbies correlate, some more obviously than others, like Sato um, being a good cook, you know, and he gets to eat, you know, a baker rather, and um, he gets to, you know, has to eat sweet stuff all the time. This In this scene, they brought back Midoriya's notebooks, and that's what I have considered to be his hobby for since episode one. Um, and he's actually kind of adding, I think, to Mina's entry in his notebooks about how he's like, you know, uh, you know, the way that she's able to move her body all in coordination, you know, and I wonder if she uses that in battle and if she could teach me. And that leads to that really funny uh, scene of the two of them dancing. But I love that he's still doing that. Um, that's just I really appreciated that that little bitty touch that he's still keeping up these notebooks, that that's his hobby, because we know that that informs um his work i mean he's brought this stuff up a bunch of times before um so i don't know i just thought that that was a cool touch i still just love the fact that he just keeps notes on everybody yeah Um, it is a it's a neat throwback for sure and it's something that we found out that the pro heroes do a lot too remember when they were assaulting the shiei hasaikai camp compound many of them were able to say oh you're so and so and you have this quirk yeah. Um, so, you know, it's obviously a, a, something that is, you know, standard operating procedure at some level in the hero business, but Midoriya kind of has always done it on his own. And um, we had talked, you know, if he does have a quirk, you know, that it might be this strategic mind um, that he may or may not have. Doesn't matter. I, I just super like that he continues with that. I, I don't know. I just wanted, it was a, I bolded that in my notes. I definitely wanted to touch just that one line. Um, it was very cool. It makes me wonder if, there is some sort of like mandate that, you know, the, you remember the hero Facebook that they used whenever they were fighting Hero Killer 7? Yeah. yeah. It makes me wonder if there's some sort of like hero knowledge base that they are mandated they have to keep up to date and like it's mm. like fact checked and stuff. So that way they can reference like there is a repository of villains and who, who they are, what their quirks are, what they look like, what it can do, their weaknesses. Like surely these organizations wouldn't keep that from other organizations, you know? So there, there's got to be a Wikipedia for this inside of this world that works very similar to the ways that ours does yeah. so that like I can create a page for myself and keep editing my quirk um, <laughs> because, you know, who's going to police that? Like one of my friends in college edited the Wikipedia page for the refrigerator to reflect that he invented it himself. <laughs> um, and it took, it stayed up for a long time. Because who's checking the refrigerator page on Wikipedia? Exactly. Um, but that's where you so, get into like a whole class of cyber warfare within the My Hero world. Yeah. It would just be f- like if I had a page on Wikipedia and I had a quirk, and it, especially if it was a crappy quirk, um, you know, like 
naval lasers, I'd probably go in there and edit it sometimes, you know, or he pulls balls off the top of his head. Uh, like I would probably go in there and just have fun just for my own edification and, and boost the self-esteem and give myself a cool quirk every now and then. And then some chump who actually contributes to Wikipedia comes in there and he's like, no, 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 that guy is definitely the naval laser guy. He's belly button blaster for sure. And then I'll just get mad and go and edit it again later. That's, so see, that's... we're we're creating jobs for people in the My Hero world. We're, we're, yeah. <laughs> we've got a Wikipedia now that needs to be maintained. So we're helping out. Yeah. So they, uh, Ida returns to classic class uh, 1A rep and even brings up his vice, his vice rep. Uh, yeah. Momo goes up there with him. Don't forget, it's, he only takes over after Aizawa gets in his cocoon and goes to bed. Yeah, I have in here that Aizawa is so bored by the concept of the festival that he literally falls asleep before he can finish explaining it. (laughs) Like he's mid-sentence when he clocks out and it was really funny. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. So yeah, Ida takes over and uh, he's like, okay, well, let's come up with an idea. What are we going to present? And I think Aizawa has made a mention at this point that this is not for spectators. It is for the school only. And it's basically to like help boost morale uh, because morale's down. So I got a, a comprehensive list of who suggested what. One of these, oh wow, because there was a lot about. Yeah, there was, and I, I kind of was keep track as the episode was going. There are a couple of folks who aren't credited with any ideas. Um, so we might come up with some just for fun. We'll see. But uh, so in order, Kaminari wants to do what he calls a maid cafe. And it's like, it's kind of, it's exactly the idea of them tricking the, the uh, class 1A girls to be cheerleaders at the sports festival. It's just the girls in like hot French maid outfits, basically serving him tea and, you know, cookies or whatever and it just might like be. like pampering him, but just him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just him in his imagination, right. because, you know, he, he has the right to do that by God. I'll defend that. <laughs> I'll, I'll defend his right to do that. All right. All right. Um, Mineta immediately chirps up and he's like, that's too lame. And in the anime, he says, we should have a boo, and it's like B-O-O in the subtitles, and then it's cut off by Sue, who like ties him up and is asking Sato for a wait so that he can remain suspended and, yeah, and shut up. Yeah, just literally hangs him up in the air. So I don't know where B-O-O was going. Booth? Booby competition? Um, I don't know. But in the anime, or in the manga, it's straight up, he gets... So far as to say strip club, C-L-U, before he finally gets <laughs> shut up. Wow. <clears throat> Think bigger, Kaminari. Strip club is where Mineta is feverishly raising his hand and trying to get the, uh, the class to buy into hosting a strip club or a strip competition at this high school event. This guy. Um, he would be... Yeah. I cannot believe they have not kicked him out of the school. It's amazing. It is it's amazing. amazing. Uh, my favorite was the death match from Bakugo. He just screams yep. out that they need a death match. Bakugo's deathmatch. Ochako said Moki Shop, um, Kirishima's arm wrestling tournament. Hagakure said she wanted a fun house. In the manga, it's translated as a haunted house, which made a little bit more sense. Uh, Sato said Crepe Shop. Mina said a dance. Midoriya said a hero quiz because he's a nerd. Sue says let's sing. Uh, in the anime, it's let's sing frog song in a round, and it made it sound like maybe what she was asking for was like a frog sound competition. Uh, because I Googled, unlike you, I can safely Google things. And <laughs> I just Googled like Japanese frog song to see if there was some YouTube sensation that I had missed out on somehow. Um, but no, I think it's just, she was like, we need to have a competition to see who sounds most like a frog. Uh, then you have Coda. Biased. Yeah. 
I mean, everybody was playing to their strengths, no, totally. really. Yeah. Um, Koda says he wants to host a petting zoo. Todoroki says he wants to go for handmade soba. And I have in parentheses cold, of course, because that's how the toads rolls. Bakugo has deathmatch. Tokoyami, this is where his language is weird. In the anime, he says, a feast of the students of darkness is what he says. A feast of the students of darkness. Um, and in the manga, it's slightly different. It's a banquet for the disciples of darkness, which makes a little bit more sense to me. Maybe he's been replaced. Like maybe while he was off screen, there was some sort of weird family conspiracy or something where he has officially been taken over by Dark Shadow. Yeah. Like he's just the harbinger um, of that being, you know? I think it was like a weird, like strict translation that will probably be corrected to better reflect the English in the manga um, when the English uh, dub is actually done. Um, Aoyama says twinkling show. Jiro says a skit or something and just is kind of, you know, whatever slides down in her desk. Then there are a couple others that are tossed out um, by voices that were off screen Asian cafe, dance performance, takoyaki shop, which of course always makes me think of Vegeta making takoyaki. <laughs> um, then uh, they're, they're, they show the board. And there's a couple that are submitted by folks. We found out like Ida's idea was a local history, like a survey of local history presentation. Momo wanted to host a study session, but we don't get to hear from Ojiro, Soji, or Saro, um, unless they were the ones responsible for Asian cafe dance performance and takoyaki shop. Maybe, yeah. So Momo says that she's going to eliminate the ones that are inappropriate, impossible, or confusing. So Mineta's is gone. Bakugo's is gone, Tokoyami's is gone, and Ayoyama's is gone. Um, and then they, they're kind of fighting over what they're going to do, and this is when Aizawa's just like, y'all have until tomorrow to figure it out, or I'm just going to do like a public lecture. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, we got to get this done. Yeah, and so Ida decides that he wants to provide fun and stress relief. Uh, and so they, he makes the mention that like you can't beat Lunch Rush's cooking, so it can't be a cooking event. Uh, and this is when Todoroki actually pipes up and he's like, well, hey, how about a concert? And it's kind of weird because they made it sound like he had no idea what a concert was. So he has to like yeah. YouTube the video, which felt really forced. Yeah, I thought that was strange, too. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's but this does give us another little funny scene from Sato's imagination because Todoroki says the idea came from the supplemental classes. And Sato just imagines Todoroki and Bakugo doing disco. Yeah, that was funny. I like that a lot. I just. I just have in my notes, I don't dislike it. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really funny little, just a little aside inside of the episode. He's like, what kind of training are you guys doing? (laughs) Uh, And we get this kind of weird moment here where Jiro ends up, I guess, kind of letting it leak that she could probably help out with some sort of a concert. And then she explains that she feels really ashamed of the fact that her hobby is music because it's not rooted in hero work like everyone else's. Like everybody else's hobby helps them become a better hero. She feels like hers doesn't. And I, I don't remember who it was. I want to say it was Coda. That's like, no way. Your, you know, your hobby brings happiness to people, and that's really important hero work. So she agrees that she's going to help put on a concert. Uh, and while all this is happening, while they're having this conversation, it like pans over to the YouTube video that Todoroki had put up on this laptop, and it plays the next video, and it's this like mysterious, silver-haired, shiny-eyed guy. So I just have in my notes, new villain question mark. Yeah, his face just kind of lingers, and I couldn't tell if it was a still or if it was a quirk that like lets him look through the screen or yeah, it was how weird. 
you know, YouTube algorithms are weird. Um, and the, the manga doesn't do any, doesn't give you anything extra. Um, it's just shows that, that same still. And I don't, I can't tell if it looks like the guy that we meet at the end of this or not. I assumed because, it was by the end of the episode, but yeah. I'll be honest, it felt forced. Like the whole Todoroki having to pull up a concert video to justify knowing the, the name of a concert. <laughs> just right. to, just to show this villain on YouTube for a split second felt really weird. It was just felt so unnecessary. Yep. And so we transition away from that for the time anyway. Um, we'll, we'll return to the YouTube YouTubiness um, at the very end of this episode. But instead, we're treated for a time to a scene between um, Mirio and Midoriya and Aerie. Uh They get permission to go and visit her finally in the hospital. And so there's a really touching scene and a really sad scene. Like I have him somewhere in my notes that like as as if her story can't get any sadder. There's a there's a moment in this where I was like, God dang it. How does this keep getting sadder? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no joke. Uh, like I man. had the same thoughts. I even had something in my notes that just said something like these kids are so not qualified to be talking to her right now. Like they, <laughs> they, they have no idea what they're trying to do to to make her better, like to make her happy. It's like an impossible feat because of what she's been through. They're not trained for this. Like I get their up and coming heroes, but this is so out of the realm of what they should be handling. Yeah, so they, I mean, it starts with small talk. They're talking about fruit. They bring her a fruit basket, and she she explains that she really wanted to meet Midoriya because she didn't even know his name. She was like, I knew Lemillion's name, and I said, I'm so sorry, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> in my notes. But she didn't know who Midoriya's, what his name was, not his superhero name, nothing. In fact, she seems confused by the concept of a superhero name as, as they have to explain it to, the, uh, to her. You know, that Lemillion, I guess she thought was his real name. Well, I guess um, she's, she's probably going to be like, what, seven? And, yeah, I mean, she's pretty young. Yeah, so and she's been completely sheltered her entire life. So it makes sense that she probably doesn't even know what a hero is, you know? Yeah, and she makes, she makes she's trying to thank everybody, um, in, including that man that was wearing glasses. Uh, and we kind of get some, like, background dialogue where Aizawa's explaining to the two boys before presumably before they go in there, that she doesn't know what happened to Night Eye and they probably shouldn't divulge that quite yet. Yeah, it would just be too um, difficult for her to process. Yeah, but she says she's apologizing too, so she's being grateful, but she's also like, I'm really sorry for causing you guys so much pain. Um, you know, it's, it's because of me that you lost your power, and she's, again, all this language is reflective of Chisaki's control of the language around her. Like this is that psychological scarring that I was talking about. The way that he spoke about her to her around her is still with her. And uh, I refuse to call him the million, but Mirio, he is, he's like, you know, no, no, we, we didn't think we were suffering. This is, this is what we think. We're, we're all just glad that area is okay. Yeah. You know, that we, we fought because we wanted to see you smile again. And this is where it just gets so stinking sad. Um, I mean, I, I felt things at the, d during this scene, um, cause she tries to force a smile on her face. Like she's, she's trying really hard with facial muscles alone. And then she's sticking her fingers in her mouth and she's just like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Um, yeah, like she's, you know, forgotten it. Like, how do you, what is a smile? Yeah, and that's that's where I just was like, as if her story can't get any sadder. And then Midoriya had to heap on a pile on top of that and say, you know, she still hasn't even been saved. You know, she's she's this past of hers has got a firm, firm grip on her still. Uh, and I was just like, man, this is 
I mean, right in the feels. Yeah, it's, it's um, dark just, stuff. Yeah, just when I thought we had kind of moved past some of that darkness and and despair and depressed, you know, depressing details about her her life, it comes right back around. I totally was not expecting this, um, so it caught me way off guard um, and and hit me pretty hard. Yeah, it, it definitely kind of came out of nowhere because you've got a pretty peppy episode, and then I didn't like you said out of nowhere. It's just kind of like, hey, here's some heavy stuff. Deal with it. So then. I have in my notes just to try to light, uh, lighten things up as we head into some some more levity at the end of this episode. Uh, Midoriya chooses this time to kind of reflect back on what he had learned from Ayoyama about surprises. And I just have in my notes, I'm I'm kind of hoping that Midoriya just whips out some cheese and shoves it into Aerie's <laughs> mouth. Like he takes Ayoyama's example very, very literally. Or like leaves a bunch of cheese outside of her window that just says, I know. I know. Yeah. You're like, what? I was like, please. <laughs> It would be funny, but it would be way out of place. Yeah. So I just wrote, if he did it, it would be a super literal interpretation of what Aoyama was trying to teach him. Yeah, um, it would be very That odd. would be kind of funny. It would have been funny, yeah. But instead, they get to this idea that they want to invite her to the, to the school festival, which is cool. Um, and Mirio is super excited about this. He begins imagining what the festival is going to look like. And did you notice... In his little imagining of what the school festival is going to look like, did you notice that all of the maids were boys. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, like in Mirio's imagination, uh, Kaminari's suggestion is taken to heart, and they do have a, a maid cafe, but it's males. I did not like, no, I didn't catch on that at all. Yeah, that's what Mirio's imagining huh. is dude maids. That's awesome. Um, like, I can see I like, him justifying is... it, too, as like, well, we should be serving everybody. Like, we're heroes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It was just a weird touch. I was like, what? I actually rewound it because I was like, maybe it was just women with shorter haircuts. But no, it's dudes. Huh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was really, I was like, all right, if the cheerleaders are guys, too, then this is really heavy-handed communicating <laughs> of something. Um, but the, che- the cheerleaders are females. But for some reason, every last maid in his little imagination thing is is uh, male. And in the anime, in the manga, it's a little it's a little harder to tell. Yeah. Well, it seems like they they check with Aizawa to make sure it's okay, which I thought was kind of messed up because they like ask her if she wants to go, and then they're like, "Is that all right, Aizawa?" Uh, you feel like they probably should have talked to him away from her first, you know, not to get her hopes up. But he he agrees to it, which shocked me. Uh, so I guess you know we're gonna get to see them protecting her at this party, and something's gonna go wrong. Yeah, they're certainly creating opportunity, yeah. um, you know, un- possibly unnecessary opportunity. Um, th- and this whole scene kind of reminded me, there's, you'll see these like really heartwarming videos, feel good videos on Facebook where like a, a senior class of a high school will all chip in money to buy, you know, one of their uh, students that's, uh has special needs, a brand new pair of shoes or something like that. Um, it felt very, very intentional. Um, from Mirio and Midoriya's perspective. Like, we want to include you. We want you to know that you're loved and cared for. This is the best way that we know how to do that. Um, and the the dialogue gets really strange here. I don't know how much uh, notes you took on this too. but It was weird, yeah. I took a lot of notes because it just felt strange. Like, Mir- it was Mirio super weird. talks about how they're going to make it a date. And Eerie's like, well, what's a date? And he's like, well, it's when a man and a woman love each other and they spend time together. And she's like, oh, a man and a woman? And it like zooms out as this is happening. And I was like, that, it just seemed weird. It was really out of place. Yeah. So first off, the, in the anime, he's like, yeah, dating. It's an outing between a man and a woman who are intimate. Yeah, and at yeah. least, 
at least Midoriya is just like, what in the world are you, say- are, are you saying? Um, like he, vo- he verbalizes that. But even before that, Aerie's just like, I want to know you guys more. And Mirio in the, in the anime says, uh, well, I'll tell you more than you want to know. And I'm just like, <laughs> dude, you got to slow down. Like, that seems really suggestive. Yeah. And she's t- she is a child. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> like, weird. I was like, it, it was strange. I'm like, okay, this, what's happening here? I was with Midoriya on this one. I was like, what is Mirio doing? <laughs> yeah, it was a very strange choice of words from, from Mirio. Uh, so we, we end this episode, I guess, with more establishing stuff for, for what's to come with this, uh, this like handy cam, uh, YouTube video of, of a villain named Gentle that is being shot, I presume at least by a little girl named La Brava yeah. as he's, he's like robbing a convenience store. And I gotta say the way they lead into this was so frustrating, well not frustrating, but it was a huge letdown because the police dog is back. And he like rushes into this little room with a bunch of other police officers. And in the subtitles, it would translate everything he was saying. And then it would add wolf to the end of the subtitle. But he didn't yep. actually wolf. <laughs> I noticed that, too. So I was wondering if you were going to pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, I was so bummed. That was like one of my favorite characteristics about this character. And I also love that there is this like upstanding dog talking to the room full of humans and nobody blinks. It's totally normal in this world. Systematic desensitization, man. Yeah. It's a hell of a drug. You know, you spend enough time around something, it just becomes normal. I guess so. It just cracked me up. And and they're just like, it's him. He's posted another video. And the dog is like, uh-oh. So they have to watch this live stream on YouTube of Gentle and Labarava. Yeah, it wasn't, I don't think it was live because at one point he's like, you need to edit this next part out. Yeah. Um, Which I, and it was it was him beating up on like five heroes and all we see is he drops his knife and then there's a, a hard cut and he's like standing outside of the store, but it it's wobbling around like it's made of jello now. That's all I got. Um, so I don't I have no idea what this dude's quirk is. Yeah. I don't think we're supposed to know, but it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, he looks pretty like interesting, I guess. He's very quirky. I don't want to use that word to describe somebody in this world, but he, <laughs> right. he has just a weird oddity around him, you know? So I'm, I'm interested in seeing what, where this goes. Okay, now that I'm looking at him in the manga again, I do think that his was the face that was staring back through the computer just because of the, like, scarf thing that he has around his neck. Because I, I kept looking for the mustache in the YouTube video from earlier after the, the video that Todoroki had pulled up but it's obscured by this like fuzzy looking scarf thing. And you can see that pretty clearly on him in the, uh, in the stuff at the end of the chapter or the episode. Yeah. So I'm assuming it was, him. I think it is him. Yeah. And it would make sense that his, cause there's the, the ending scene is his name is gentle criminal. And that he's talking with Labrava who I, it seems like is just his, uh, camera jockey. And yeah, they're talking about how they're not getting enough views on, I think it was, I can't think of, was it, pop tube or something there was a funny name for it uh but it's oh, i didn't see that I, I i just made a note that it was just like they they were avoiding titles it was like a certain convenience store that video site yeah um you know so i didn't um i didn't see if they had actually called something else yeah i feel like they called it there was a it was the in-world equivalent of youtube uh, yeah. but it was, it was funny cause they're just complaining about their views. And so he's like, okay, well I'm going to have to come up with an even more elaborate scheme. Like he feels very like, I want to use the term like kids, serial villain, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know. I get the feeling this is going to be a funky arc. Yeah, and even the the dog detective is like, I can't tell if this guy is serious or a joke. And I and I just have in my notes. Uh, that's a good question because neither can I. Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't know if I'm supposed to feel strongly one way or the other. But it ends with him saying that he needs to pull off this bigger scheme as pics of Midoriya and Mirio and Aerie flash by. So they're implying that obviously those three or at least Aerie will be a, a target for whatever this next big scheme is going to be. Um, yeah. but that's where episode 81 ends. He feels very like, I'm going to use the word unmenacing. I know that's not a real word, but there's just nothing yeah. about him that makes me go, oh man, like I'm excited to see him. I mean, when Hero yeah. Killer Stain was introduced, we were both like, oh, who is this guy? Gentle yeah, and criminal. Then it took forever for us to get around to actually see him. Yeah, Remember, he was just like a shadow on the top of a skyscraper, and we were still super excited about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I don't get that feeling from this guy. I mean, I was even excited for the Shia Saikai stuff. Uh, but yeah, gentle criminal. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll be surprised. I hope so. Uh, I- I'm not I'm not anticipating it, but it is a possibility. Yeah. All right. So into the episode, we've got to talk. Who did you cast as a Chaco? Okay, again, I think that this person could potentially play Ochako or Toga, and I don't know which one I would rather have her cast as. I think I would say that I have seen her m- maybe perform more roles, or m- or my most memorable role of hers would make me lean more towards Toga. Um, but it is Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh, okay. I don't know her. Let me look that up. She is from like she was the little girl in Kick Ass, the the little oh, yeah. female superhero. She was in a movie called Let Me In or Let the Right One In. I yeah. can't remember which one of those is the English version. Um she's not that old. She, I think she's like twenty three, so I think she could play a younger person. She was in the equalizer most recently with Denzel Washington, the yeah. first one. She's a great actress. I could see that. Um I like that. That's a good casting. I definitely see her more as Toga though. I think that her face looks more like a toga but i think she could pull either personality sure. off i think she can be very bubbly and vivacious and i think she can also be kind of menacing and leery yeah um because in that let me in movie that's what she is she's more leery but in the kick-ass movie she's a little bit more animated so i think she could do either one I, and i don't feel strongly that she should be one or the other that's i think fair. she could do either one and be fine i think it's the, what about the you? blonde hair that's given me towards toga uh, yeah, so yeah. it depends uh, if we are going to go with your rule set where it needs to be someone that is like current age, like who they are right now. Uh, I chose Chelsea Zhang. I don't know if you've seen her or anything. She's only been in a handful of things. Uh, she's in the most recent season of Titans, uh, the live action Teen Titans TV show. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's awesome. Okay. Uh, I really like her a lot. I think she would be an awesome Achako. If we could go back in time about 10, 15 years, think like season one of Heroes, uh, Hayden Panettiere would be my first choice. See, I never got like a really strong, bubbly personality vibe from her ever. Only really but from I didn't Heroes. watch a bunch of Heroes. Yeah, only from Heroes, really, for me. So, Okay. I can see that. I mean, she's also typically blonde, too, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she is, normally, for sure. Yeah. I think those are some interesting castings. I think these will be more polarizing castings than, or or more, I think the feedback that we get on Twitter from these, we might even see some alternative submissions. I hope so. You know, like, yeah, I'd love to see what other people think. Yeah, because I don't, like, I'm not like, yes, Chloe Grace Moretz is my Ochako, like Keanu Reeves is my Aizawa. Yeah. You know, the, the, I, he's 100% my Aizawa. I think I could have some flexibility around uh, 
uh, Chloe Grace Moretz being my uh, Ochako. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. Like, I like both of mine, and I love yours, but I'm not sold on any of them. Like, you could introduce other characters. I'm totally open to ideas for this one. Yeah. And don't forget, next week we are going, to, or next time, our next episode, we are going to uh, cast Present Mike, which is going to be a tough one. I have not spent any time thinking about him yet. Um, oh, man, I've got I did, three I'm sitting on right now. Really? Yes. I have no idea where to even start. Uh, well, I'm going to have to be very intentional about sitting down and thinking about this Present one. Mike's one of my favorite characters, so it makes sense. And I also yeah. thought that we had talked off air about doing Present Mike this week. So for the last week, I've been doing nothing but thinking about Present Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got three good ones. Uh, hopefully I don't forget them by the next time we record. Yeah, I'll, I'll help. Uh, just write them down real quick. Uh, that's um, too convenient. Let's let's remind uh, you you listeners too if you didn't if you don't mind you can help the podcast out a lot uh, by hunting us down on Twitter and uh, giving us a follow or plugging into the Discord um, and giving us uh, a review on iTunes it only takes a couple seconds but uh, that those little boosts uh, go a long way for us. In fact, Adam actually shared uh, somebody sent him a uh, like a feed spot blog. Uh, where he curated his own top 10 My Hero Academia podcasts, and we were on the list. We were actually number two, I think. Yeah, we were. Uh, right behind, I think, probably like the most popular My Hero Academia podcast. I think it's just called My Hero Academia podcast. Yep, it is. Uh, but And they had like insane following, so I was pretty stoked about that. I was happy to see that we were right up there with those folks. Yeah, and we, we, we're getting a little bit of notoriety and, and recognition, and I think communities are growing and, uh, you know, iTunes reviews will, will help us get, uh, just that much more of a signal boost. And, you know, we, we definitely want, we would love to have more and more conversations about what's going on. In fact, we're talking in the discord today about some of the controversies swirling around inside of the, my hero academia world. Um, but we aren't going to get into that into this episode, uh, only because Adam and I are considering recording a, um, a filler episode of the AMP soon where we talk about uh, these controversies along with some fan theories. And uh, so that might be a fun short little bonus ep- uh, coming down the pipeline from us soon. We have a couple other ideas as well that we'll try to get, uh, we'll try to get out to you guys. We, we just enjoy talking to one another and we hope that you enjoy listening to us ramble. Yeah, for sure. I'm really stoked about this fan theories one. Cause I think, I think you guys know by this point that I love coming up with crazy theories <laughs> so getting to just discuss them and kind of think about like, all right, what is everyone else thinking of? I'm, I'm excited to see what people have cooked up. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the AMP. We, we will cover episodes 82 and 83 next time we sit down for a full episode of ours. But uh, just stay tuned. You won't miss filler episodes or anything that we're planning to do extra. If you're following along on, uh, on the Twitter, you follow us at, at AlmightyPod. Uh, and give us a follow and we keep you posted with uh, releases of our episodes and trivia Tuesdays and our live castings and conversations break out around all that stuff. So we'd love for you to be a part of that uh, either in that space or on the discord, which we also have linked as a pinned tweet on our Twitter. Absolutely. And I got to, I got to give a big shout out to you, man, because those trivia Tuesdays have been awesome, especially since I started following the page. It's been great seeing them every Tuesday. (laughs) It only took you 38 episodes, Yeah, you know, 38 episodes young or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) all right guys that's gonna do it for us this week we will uh we'll be uh populating your uh podcast feeds again here real soon awesome have a good one guys
The Almighty Podcast is a production of the Back Patio Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our others at backpationetwork.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash backpationetwork. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at at backpationet or at almightypod. We'd love the chance to talk with you.